in my mind, since we're recording, we'll include some of this anyway, just make it an easier intro. And this is the Mumbo Jumbo Podcast. I'm Adam Ruggiero. And I'm Nate Mitka. Each week, we talk about what was on our mind at two in the morning when we couldn't sleep. Oh, and answer some outdoorsy questions. So with that, let's get into it. It was, coincidentally, a story on Gear Junkie, but that is not why I brought it up. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, they go hand in hand, but this has implications across all media, not just, not just outdoor media. So you may have noticed, if you subscribe to the newsletter, a story called Reader Beware. This gear review was written by an AI bot. So here's the background. It came across my desk this week. Hey, Adam, from my superior, who shall remain nameless, although I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. Somebody above me sent me a message and said, hey, you need to sign up for this chat GPT thing and just start playing around with it. This is wild. This is the future. Like when I think of chatbot, I think of some, I don't know, big square computer that's kind of like beep, beep, boop, boop not able to but I, I feel like ai has come so far like there's a lot of art done by ai that you would never know was done by oh, ai so i'm sure this is heading in that this direction is, we're going there basically you should you should realize that the majority of the customer service interactions you have when you're on a, a chat online start with a bot they start with a bot i would hope that i have enough social skills to know that it is a bot that i'm talking to you might not though you, like i was that's the thing i was stunned by this my my, my point is that you, i think i think my inclination was at the outset to have fun with it and just kind of shoot the shit with it but it quickly became apparent that this thing could take inputs uh, rather general inputs and then create very human seeming uh, content. And let me, let, me, let me tell you why, 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 let me tell you where I'm going, is that what we did, we sort of stumbled on this, right? At first it just came across my desk as like, hey, I'm an editor and I should be aware of potential plagiarism, right? Like maybe somebody didn't actually write something, maybe it's just a bot. But then we started realizing, oh my God, if we talk about, if we give this chat bot enough information about, a piece of gear like the MSR pocket rocket stove, for example, like it will, it will write a review. It will write a re as much of a review as you want. And where we, where we came to after we played with it for hours and I'm not going to toot my own horn, but it was my idea. But like, what if, what if we, what if we told this bot to write a review of a product, in this case, uh, the Pocket Rocket camp stove, right? What if we said, hey, write a review of this, talk about its specs, talk about its applications for backpacking, what's good about it, what its drawbacks are. Like, honest to God, that was the input. What if we took its review and just said, hey, reader, this what what follows was written by a bot, not a human being. And we're publishing this because it's out there. Like this might start happening and you should be mm. aware because we're, you know, Gear Junkie is a gear review website. You should be aware. This is what, what 
fabricated machine content looks like right now. And it's sort of in a beta version, right? But it, it went out there and it just spread like wildfire. Mm. So there was immediate pressure to like, hey, we have to publish this now because if we don't, somebody else is going to break the news. And as and as luck would have it, wouldn't you know, The Atlantic published its own story about this. Never heard of it. Uh, but it couched it. Not many people have a little fringe publication. <laughs> but The Atlantic published. Uh, published the same thing about these chatbots, this artificial intelligence for college entry essays. Mm. Less than 10 minutes after we published it. So it's out there. So yes, I mm. guarantee other outlets are are playing with it. I don't know That's interesting. that they're employing it for like and passing it as legitimate or human content, but they're def it's on their radar for sure. Okay, so you want to hear do you want to hear a piece of this uh AI review. Give me like an excerpt or something. Give me a give me a, sen- a sentence or two. So MSR Pocket Rocket Stove Review, written by Chat GPT. The MSR Pocket Rocket is a lightweight, compact, and reliable camp stove. It is designed to be the perfect companion for backpacking, camping, and other outdoor activities. In short, the Pocket Rocket is an incredibly lightweight stove, weighing at just three ounces. This makes it ideal for carrying in a backpack or other travel bag. The stove is also quite compact, measuring just three and a half inches wide and four inches tall. This makes it perfect for limited space and easy storage. The stove is incredibly powerful and efficient. It can boil a liter of water in just three and a half minutes and has a maximum output of 10,000 BTUs. It uses isobutane propane fuel and the burner is adjustable for a variety of uses. It goes on. That was a machine. And what I'm going to tell you, Nate, is we didn't put those numbers in. Mm. We used the product name and it scanned mm. the entirety of the internet to figure out its dimensions, its weight, its uses, etc. And spit that out in a matter of like 10 seconds. Yeah, that that seems great. But is it great? But I feel is like, it great? I feel like the way that you're looking at it is you're picturing this reader that is like sitting down with a cup of coffee at a diner and is un- unfurling a newspaper. It's like, okay. You, what, what, are you what saying I'm picturing you specifically? No, you're picking a, you're picturing the <laughs> reader doing this when they're reading this article. And it's like that, it, that, those three sentences, what does that actually give the reader? You know, you know, when, if you ever looked up a recipe online and there's, you, you get the history That's a nightmare every time. Yeah. It's a nightmare. There's like obviously huge ads, but you have to scroll down. You have to just keep on scrolling. It's like, what are the ingredients? I'm in a grocery store. I'm just trying to figure out what I should buy at this point and then eventually make. But that seems like that's the same sort of fodder that is in a gear review. It's like when somebody's reading a gear review, they, and, and they have intentions to buy it, which I would imagine most gear review readers have intentions to buy if it's a news piece they're probably not looking to buy a piece of gear they want to just hear what the news is but this is a gear review you know so i would think that that sort of like intro paragraph is like okay who cares you know let's scroll on let's get down to the ingredients section where they not the ingredients like that is the most important part of a recipe the most important part of a review is like what fucked up in this review what was bad what didn't work you know that's what the reader actually wants to know they know what a stove is they're on gear junkie gear junkies like this super core publication they're not going to be on gear junkie because it's their first they're just they're like they're a city goer 
hmm, maybe I'll go trekking. <laughs> and how will I cook? I love, my, okay. How will I cook my food? That's not. That's not. That's not how they're going into the article. They're just like, okay, give me the, give me the what I need to know because I have the attention span of a small rat. I mean, I think yes, we do have core people that want that, but I, I also think there are people out there that kind of need the backdrop, or they they may not know to weed out those points. So you, you made there are three things I want I want to touch on. The first is, do you know do you know why all online recipes read like that? Yeah, because they need time because on I page. Do. They need time on page to yes. It's all search engine optimization because yeah. people look for a recipe. And for anybody of the listeners that don't know that, if people look for a recipe and it tells you what to cook and how to cook it, you'll 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 look at it, you'll copy it, you'll whatever, and then you'll just bounce off the page and you'll leave. And then Google will think you hopped in, didn't love what you had to read, and took off. So they they put a thousand words of bullshit about their history in Tuscany just so you're spending time scrolling throughout the whole page because Google knows all that. You will not believe not this Not everybody ravioli. knows that. This ra- oh, my goodness. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's infuriating, but they all follow that because they have to to rank. If you search, how do I make uh, homemade pesto gnocchi, which you and I have done, the ones that win are the ones that Google thinks people are spending a lot of time reading. That's just how that works. The, the, the second point is, yes... That review lacks substance. And yes, we absolutely need people to talk about what didn't work, what was frustrating, all that. But I will tell you, and you probably know this, as an editor, there are a number of people that submit stories, some of whom are published, that don't write good reviews. It's mm-hmm. it's some variation of what, what I just read. It is, it is mm-hmm. cursory. It's congratulatory to a brand. It doesn't go deep. It gets published. You make money. You think you read something, and that it just that that repeats. So this is, while not a stellar review, it's certainly not. It's not the worst review draft I have ever read as an editor, mm-hmm. which is saying something. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So hold on, hold on, okay. hold on, hold on. Yes. So I think that this is this has been happening for you know every single industry has had this kind of technology that has caused employees to be laid off, you know, like when the, the digital age, when stuff like think of in your industry, media newspapers became less of a thing because everything was online and you didn't have to. So there's less people working in, in printing presses and there's less technicians that know how to put the letter T in boldface on a, on a newspaper, you know, it, that, that happens across the board. And it sounds like we have these ideas of like this is a inherently human thing writing you know like creating is inherently human and that won't be taken away because it's what we're the best at right but and now and now that's happening and now that's being taken away from these ai services it's it's happening in the art world it's happening now in editorial um, it just makes me think like, what is, I, I just really makes you reconsider like, what is your actual value, you know, on whatever work you might be doing, how easily can it be automated and how easily can it, can, can AI come into this? It, it, it doesn't make you feel good. I'll say that much. <laughs> no, you're, you're make a, you make a really good point. And that is, you know, if, if, if you have, you know, making blankets on a loom 
at one end of the spectrum and then we're all just useless batteries for the matrix at the other end of the spectrum and like human history is just this this march toward automation to your point yeah there's like the assembly line for automobiles largely automated i think we all know it's happening but i think we also sort of had this mental register of well, what are the what are going to be the last things that a machine can figure out right mm-hmm. like what what's safe for now what is what is still safe and i think people would have assumed and probably still do that a lot of creative or artistic modes would be untouched right like like to your point that review doesn't read like a person actually used a thing it reads like a thing talked about what another thing is it's like it's like reading the tech specs on the actual brand's page yes in a yes. in a more eloquent way like in in sentence structure as opposed to just bullets which but i like, can tell you writers cares? do that human writers do that now so what i want to know is somehow there are like let's we're gonna go down this rabbit hole adam okay we're just gonna go let's, down it let's do it you have these you have these crafts that are that are like grandfathered in through generations i'm gonna I'm going to use an example of of a kind of like a how it's made that I saw recently. Japanese longbows. You have maybe like a hundred people who can are like considered masters. You know, like the best Japanese longbow, ancient longbow craftsmen. And you think that has been those have been those have been made for hundreds, thousands of years these longbows and it's these guys still get a paycheck for selling these longbows for gross amounts of money and yet technology has progressed you have you have short bows you know compound bows i'm i'm by no means a hunter or a bowman but think about the technological advancement of what a a comp i know i might look like it i might i might sound bowman I, i might sound like it but uh, you have these advancements go on. A compound bow will be able to shoot your target with less strain on your body and incredibly with in, with way more accuracy. And yet, there's still this there's still this craft that exists that is you know and and like what is that in the the editorial world where now you have this new age of like chat bot AI articles it's like okay clearly as a writer unless i'm adding some really deep personal like i use this thing on a camping trip and i have feedback unless you're doing that it's like you're no different than chatbot.j.nate <laughs> so that's a great point because one of the things i asked one of the things i asked it was three three editors and in what i brought up was Somebody else had said, hey, we need to have a um, a standards list. We need to be able to tell our readers and, and our contributors, this is what we will accept and this is what we will not accept, right? Like we need to know X, Y, Z. And I, I was like, well, in what, there are probably circumstances where, yeah, it, it's better for you and better for me and better for the reader if you do use a chat bot because you can't write for shit. You can test the hell out of some skis you can tell the chat bot what you thought of the skis and to create a review around it. But as a writer, 
you lose everybody money. Like you writing, your writing is so bad that I end up spending a lot of my time fixing it so that a reader can read it. And then I'm dissatisfied with my job and, and I've just wasted a whole, half a day when I could have been doing better things because you can't write. You can ski, but you can't write. So in this instance, my God, please just tell the chatbot to write a review with what you said. So there, I would, yeah, I would say, yeah, you're going to have to embrace it and there's a use for it. There's definitely use for it. Mm. Well, I also think the audience, like, sure, the profession has been passed along for millennia um japanese longbows and you you have to think like way back why did you know well, that okay. i know nothing of japanese yeah, I, adam adam you're gonna learn a lot about me <laughs> but uh <laughs> you have to think the audience for who is purchasing that old ancient longbow has also diminished over time and so you have a pool that once was a million people is now a thousand people that might even consider purchasing it. I would imagine the same thing goes for the audience of editorial gear reviews where, you know, we talk about long form journalism all the time as it's this kind of like celebrated uh, form of writing that is so evocative and expressive and, and people love reading it. And it's like the amount of people that enjoy reading it are probably shrinking because print publications are going down and just the 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 lust for good writing has diminished significantly so that that seems like that won't go away that might be in more demand because i would imagine chatbot.nate might have a hard time creating this these kinds of long form things like i don't know if people would want to read that or and maybe i'm just a skeptic at this point because i do i am somebody who does care about really good writing and, and sentence structure and, and just like beautiful words that that can be strung together because you shoot a longbow and smoke a pipe <laughs> when i was on, on a long I, enough timeline when i was shooting my longbow this morning <laughs> you could say on a long enough timeline even even bots writing about gear we'll use will be will be obsolete because we're all going to be plugged into the metaverse and nobody's actually going to use a pocket rocket or a fucking bow. We're just going to use this digital shit and, and there will be no need. Like, yes, that is true. And I need to touch on this last point because this is the this is this is this is the coup de gras of everything I have. We obviously did more than one experiment. Um, this is where I tell you that we developed self-aware AI. <laughs> we, 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 we like had various inputs, right? So one other oh editor gosh. whom you are also familiar what with. What is an AI podcast? Said, like? said <laughs> one other editor said, Hey, I, I have these hunting boots. I want you to write me a review of, uh, these hunting boots, um, and talk about their use, uh, in snowy terrain on, on hunts in, you know, South Dakota, whatever. And the excerpt, one, one sentence from that review, it, two sentences, one excerpt from this review is, after eight miles of walking on ice, I was still comfortable and ready to hunt. The boots had kept me safe on icy terrain, proving they were up to the challenge. The editor didn't say a word about how far he went, in what conditions he used them, or how comfortable they were. All mm -hmm. he said was, this is, the, this is the product to review in this environment. So, clearly, 
the AI at this point, there there's no standard that says, hey, this is objective and this is subjective. You need to remain within the bounds of what you a bot do and do not know. It, 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 it isn't aware of those parameters yet. So it completely fabricated this whole scenario in which the editor quote unquote, walked eight miles on ice, which did not happen, but it said that it did. And that touches to the qualitative aspect of a review that you were initially asking mm-hmm. about is it can do it. It just doesn't mean it did it. So listeners, that was a, that was a, that was a sound bite. That so, so listeners, the next time you're on a hike in boots and it's cold, think, just think about the next, the next person you pass being chatbot. Out there, yeah. Reviewing. Or if your feet are cold, <laughs> blame Chatbot for your decision to buy the boots. I would love to see Chatbot respond to comments on Facebook. It's Kyberbot from Slack. <laughs> Kyberbot review review the boots. I yeah, dude, that's scary. That sucks. Yeah, yeah. I I honestly think it's going to come down to like you know you can. You can quickly get a lot of music off Spotify, but there's some music you just want to hear on vinyl. Like you want it, you want it to be something more tangible and analog and, and old fashioned because of the time it takes to do. Give me AI Taylor Swift. I'll take it. <laughs> I need more. Uh, <laughs> I will close my segment by saying you can read the story on Gear Junkie. Um, and as a fun fact, fun footnote, the image in the story also created by AI. Mm. The input the input was create evil looking robot writing a story. <laughs> it did a really <laughs> good job of making that image. Thank you, Adam. This week I conducted a little experiment. I I took cold showers the last two days, which is a very short amount of time, but this is relevant to the outdoors. This is relevant to most people. It's not exactly newsworthy. It's not it's not a chatbot. Wait, why did you? Let me just let me just play the recording. I'm gonna play three recordings. So I just took a cold shower and <laughs> it sucked. It was really cold. Um it felt like icicles. Uh, just spraying down on me. It was, uh, it was so, so cold. So cold. Beforehand, I was nervous to get in the shower. And there's so much, there's so much written about cold showers, about how they're good for you, how they help you psychologically, mentally, physically, you know, like immuno benefits, whatever. But, Oh my gosh. Like I I it feels so bad. I don't know how you could ever get to a point where you're like this is what I this is what I enjoy. This is my this is my this is what I want to be doing. And so I had this thought like you see this all over the the world. Are we as humans so bad at experiencing joy? contentment and happiness that we need to seek out such extremes of discomfort to have that, you know, kind of opposite sense of fulfillment and gratification. We need to go to 
both ends of the spectrum of, you know, pain and disappointment and discomfort so that we can know what it feels like to feel contentment and happiness. That's all I got. I'm out. You want me to, you want me to dive into my initial reactions here? Go ahead. Everybody is hip to this, and I think it's a Wim Hof deal, right? This notion of exposing yourself to shocking environments to, for, like you said, any number of benefits. It could be immune system, mental clarity, whatever. We have a mutual friend who partakes of psychoactive toad substance who also <laughs> subscribe to the, I'm going to like do these polar plunges every single day for however long. My dad does cold showers. Your point about have we gotten to a place where we have to do this to experience contentment or whatever, like I remember when when I under started to understand what Wall Street was about, where you companies need to give their shareholders profits always. Like it constantly needs to show profit. It constantly needs to grow and innovate. And my thought was, wait a minute, like, can't you just be like, do something and not grow and just be like, this is great. Yeah. You can be an electrician. Right. Can I just like wake up, be this happy, do these things and not constantly need to like shake the snow globe and try and like alter the way things are. And, and, my, in my head, when I was listening to that, I drew that comparison where mm. it doesn't seem like people are, it, whether or not ha- that's why people take cold showers, it doesn't seem to me like people are good at admitting their content and staying there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I think you see this all the time in in life, in all assets, assets of life. We won't go down to like children and family, but we can talk about outdoor things. <laughs> Like your your hobbies, um, good. Like, we could. This could note. be this could be our podcast. <laughs> Cycling and and rock climbing and and running. Um. Yeah. I've just I I was thinking. Obviously, cold water therapy is is all the rage, and it's about subjecting yourself to extreme discomfort and be becoming comfortable with it. And there are supposed benefits to your immune system. There's this psychological experience of of feeling accomplishment at you you doing something that was really hard, um, and and I think in in bodies of water, and I didn't experience this in the shower, but you can kind of get used to it as well. After you've been in the water for four minutes and and you've controlled your breathing, and that and that's a pretty surreal experiment experience. Um, I'm I feel like I'm kind of the poster child for this sort of thought experiment because I am somebody who often struggles to find contentment with the activities that I'm doing. Like I'm, I'm a runner, I'm a trail runner. And it's like, I'm always trying to think about the next distance or the next kind of accomplishment that I can seek out. You see the same thing in cycling and rock climbing. Like I'm, I'm also a big rock climber and I'm thinking about, um, the next big cliff that I can scale. And, and you think about like type two fun is so glorified in the outdoor industry that it you just you you it makes you want to take a step back and think like why why are we worshiping this thing like 
is it actually are we just convincing ourselves that this is real you know and i and i wanted to to hone in on such a uh, simple experience of type 2 fun cold showers and so the last two days I, i've done them i've you know i like cold plunges in in pools i've i've done a, an entire month in minneapolis in february in which i only did cold showers i have taken a lot of cold showers but you're not going to i'm not going to tell you ever I don't think that I enjoyed that. And yeah, I take cold showers. Like I can say that with confidence. And this is what I prefer to do. The experience of a warm shower is is heaven. <laughs> it is so nice. I think we would, I think most people would agree that there has to be a balance between cush, like following things you already enjoy and exposing yourself to hardship and getting a little tougher and being okay to deal with adversity, right? I think my big takeaway was just I should have more fun when I just ride my bike to work. You know, like it's a very simple bike ride. It's not 20 miles or, or a long distance by any means. But take take more comfort. Ex- like try to practice gratitude on, on a day-to-day basis, you know, like so that I don't think about these cold showers as this, you know, such a extreme experience you know like it's it's all about the extremes yes and i think the only thing i call out on that is if you just sat still would you get antsy yeah of course would you get would you be would you well why of course it's because i want to grow i want to grow i want to get better at things that's like the okay that's the root of it trees are some of the biggest entities on the planet and they're sitting still all the time oh adam ah, i think i made a great point <laughs> win that argument wait so wait you how many how many showers did you record i do you want to hear me take a cold shower i do you have another one i thought of this two days ago and i want to play for you two two recordings one before i took the shower today the second one of me in the shower, um, it it is a little bit. <laughs> We're gonna need an explicit. It is reading a little bit suggested. <laughs> I have to. Say, uh, I am in the shower. Oh, I, can, I know where this is going. <laughs> I can guarantee you. I know. Where this I was is going. in the shower when this was recorded. <laughs> but so yep, picture picture this picture this. I I went skiing today. No, I went. <laughs> I went. <laughs> picture this. Me in the shower. No. <laughs> Um, I went skiing this morning before work and you don't ski, but I'm going to try to give you an analogy. Taking a warm shower after you've been skiing is a pleasure that is pretty un- undefinable. It It is so good. It's like picture you've been out riding a bike and, it, and it's a little bit cold and wet. Oh yeah. And all you can think about is like, a warm cup of coffee or hot chocolate and a warm shower to kind of clean off and just get back to your regular body temperature. And the same thing happens with skiing where you have these super uncomfortable boots on, you've got all this gear on base layers and you're out in the cold and the wind and sure you, you drive your car there. So you warm up between, but like getting back home, all you can think about is, wow, this shower is going to be life changing. And today, I wasn't planning on taking a cold shower, but, you know, this podcast thing, you, this is really your fault. So I'm going to play, I'm going to play this recording. The first one is, uh, 
is my thoughts before taking the shower. So I'm back in the bathroom and I think I'm gonna take a cold shower. I think, I say I think. For the last like 15 minutes, I've just been stalling. I just got back from skiing. I want nothing more than a warm shower. And I don't know why I'm doing this to myself, but I am. I've just been watching videos and eating chips, knowing that I have to take a shower, but not wanting to. So I guess it's progress that I've made it to the bathroom now and I've turned on the water, so. Yeah, wish me luck. This is gonna, this is gonna be a, a hard one. So, <laughs> I, I just killed time. This is, I, I did this for a month in Minneapolis, which is so cold in the winter. And this is like, this is what internet media does to you. You think, well, if Wim Hof is doing it, I should become this sort of like, guru of self-health and help and and you know like improvement and i am the champion of my body and so i took a, i took cold showers every day for a month in february and i remember after a couple days i i found myself just lay like i was awake and i would just lay in bed and i knew that i had to take a cold shower but i didn't want to get out of bed it changed my my habit I, instead of like hopping out of bed and like going and taking a shower, getting ready for the day right away, it was like, oh gosh, I would wake up and feel dread, <laughs> I would wake, which, you know, a lot of people experience with their job, <laughs> but it's like Monday morning every single day, like, oh gosh, I got to take this cold shower. This is going to be terrible. I don't know, man. My feeling is nobody anywhere has come across this Rosetta Stone of... This is the key to all, like everybody struggles with happiness. I'm not necessarily, I don't know if I'm happy. I have weird anxieties. Like I, yes, spending a lot of time on your phone or eating nothing but Funyuns, like that probably has a high probability of making you not so happy. But <laughs> within those extremes, the Funyun effect. yeah, I do some things that I do some things. That's our podcast name. I do some <laughs> things that are hard and I do some things that feel good. And like I'm gonna live a a, a healthy-ish as as much as I can and hopefully happy life. I mean, there are people that dedicate themselves to fitness and maybe they're happy, but also they're in the fucking gym all the time or they're running all the time. If that makes them happy, great. But if they're just trying to prove that they're the strongest or the longest living, it doesn't seem to pan out. There are people who are good at one thing and not good at another. Like, yeah, but it's, if it's their passion, let them do it. Yes, that is 100% true. And I will use one example from my life. And I think I've told you this before. I worked in coffee, right? So there's, there's all this hullabaloo about what makes good coffee, what real coffee is, what's the best coffee, how do you make great coffee, right? And, and anybody, I'm sure people who buy coffee are aware there's Folgers and then there's super snooty, single origin, super light roasted bullshit. Unwashed. Way overpriced coffee shops. Yes. Natural process. Yes, exactly. Mm. There, there are all these things about coffee and, and then there's a lot of information about the you know you should use 17 grams per you know two and a half ounces of coffee like whatever it is there's so many rules and so many people talking about what the best coffee is and I worked in coffee for more than a decade and I roasted coffee and I cupped coffee and I I, I brewed coffee I knew the right temperature to brew it at I knew how to calibrate 
uh, bun coffee brewers. And there was all this nonsense around it. And I learned all of it from one guy. And his name was Bob. And Bob built synthesizers. And he went to the Berkeley School of Music for jazz trumpet. He's a brilliant human being. That's the only reason I bring that up. And he was a brilliant human being. And he like built up these coffee roasters and taught me about Maillard reactions and all this stuff. And the point is, I asked him, what is the best coffee? Like surely you of all people must know with all the variables that go into it and all the literature and all the hype around different types of coffee, which one above all is is the best type of coffee. And Bob said, I was on a trip to service a roaster in Idaho and I stopped in South Dakota and I pulled off the interstate at this diner and he didn't even remember the name of it. And he's like, I ordered a piece of pecan pie and a cup of coffee. And that coffee, I could see the carafe was on one of those like burner plates, those single like stovetop electric burner plates. And it was scalding and it was in a clear, clear round carafe that everybody has seen it has a brown top for regular coffee and an orange top for decaf and he's like she brought over the brown top and she poured it to me and she said it was the most exquisite perfect cup of coffee mm. on the side of the interstate with that pecan pie and he's like it is it was it was horseshit beans and it was ground improperly there was like shit on the bottom of my cup he's like and it was it was overly hot it was scalding hot when it was served to me and he's like, but it was so perfect for this booth at this truck stop with this piece of pecan pie. And that's the point, right? Like it is subjective. There is no objective. This is the way you should be, right? There are times when it's a cold shower, you know, like when you're when you're doing a Wim Hof routine or a hot shower after you get done skiing or a cold shower after you get done skiing, but you have a podcast to record and your your <laughs> your guilty mind just won't let you do it. Like it's different for everybody. And I think my takeaway from your experiment is if it works for you, great. But it's gonna be it's up to you whether or not it's right. Don't yeah, don't forget how much it sucks. So I'm gonna play. <laughs> I'm gonna play a recording of me taking the shower. You should get a kick oh, out of it. You, you should get a <laughs> kick saucy. out of it. And it's me in the shower. Okay, it's it's definitely the Noted. shower. Turn the faucet. Picturing you in the show. Oh, so cold. Oh my gosh. That hurt <laughs> so bad, Adam. <laughs> wait, did you did you just wait? Did you turn cold water on and the shower was running and then you just jumped in? So that audio was edited down. I turned the cold I just turned it on the coldest it could go, let it run. I recorded before, which we heard, and then I got in and like put my hands under I could feel it on my feet and that's what you kind of heard in the beginning and then I I get under and it's just pain it feels like ice it feels like liquid icicles 
are constantly pelting me in the face. And I, I get totally wet. I drench myself and then I step out and I do my conditioner. I do body wash, all that stuff. And it doesn't feel like it works when you're just so cold. It's just like, because <laughs> you can't feel your skin. <laughs> it's just, you can't tell if you're like, it's, it feels like you're touching a foreign body. Um, yeah, this podcast is, is, is definitely, uh, suggestive, but, <laughs> but then I, I did all the, the soapy stuff and then got back into the, the, uh, well, you did all that standing on your bath rug. No, 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 no. It was just, it was pointing down and it wasn't reaching me. It was like kind of spraying on my toes. And okay, then I, okay, I tilted okay, the faucet it. back, back on me and, and tried to get as much as I could out of there. Did you try, did you try weird, like inhaling or exhaling or breathing really fast or any of that? So not breathing really fast, but I was trying to take deep breaths. I was trying to like, you know, I was trying to like breathe first and foremost, make sure that I'm not just holding my breath because that would be very easy to do because it was so uncomfortable. But I, I didn't stay under there and like think to myself, deep breaths. Okay. I'm going to get used to this. No, it was survival mode. It was like, I got in there and it was like, I need to get, get wet so I can, so the soap can get on me. And then I'm going to get out of this as soon as possible. It wasn't a mode of like, this is my life for the next 10 minutes and then it's done, which is kind of how I approach cold plunges and baths and lakes and stuff. So I, I guess what, 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 what do you, did you feel like, you know, you kicked into a survival mode and you were sharper throughout the day? No, no. What, what, what? Yeah. Did it help? Like, was this good? Once you're at the top, Adam, you, you, it's really hard to feel sharper. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I think because I knew that I was, I wanted to talk about this on the podcast and it was under this veil of like, I'm doing this for an experiment. I didn't have as much. I'm actually trying to to see the positives out of this, which obviously, you know, my experience my experience is um twisted because of that, you know. And afterward, it was it was it was fine. It didn't feel like I had this renewed sense of purpose of life, which honestly, sometimes that happens if if it just hits you in the right kind of headspace and you're like wow, I just did something really crazy and weird and kind of fun and, and, and out there. This didn't happen at all with that. It ha- it has happened for me in other cold plunges or showers, you know, like Alpine lakes, that sort of thing, where you're like, wow, this is living. But it's just you and your shower and, and you, you kind of hate it. And you get out and, and it doesn't, it's not like, it, it there wasn't accomplishment. There wasn't this, this sense of, I want to do that again anytime soon i think you hit it i think you hit it it's it's i i would like to know if you continue doing these experiments um and if you feel benefits from them and i would i would say i don't feel compelled to take cold showers but when i go to minnesota i'll jump in a cold lake there's just something about it that's refreshing but having to do it as a rule as a mantra of life I don't think it's it's true for me. Before we talk again, I want you to take a cold shower. That's all I got. I don't know that I'm going to take a cold shower. I, I, I think I, shower. I want you to try it. That's all. All right.
Fine. Fine. But, but you're, you're taking a credit here because I'm going to ask you to do something on the next podcast. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to ask you to do something on the next podcast. (laughs) Oh, I can't wait. For us to go to the listener segment. Nate, what is the listener segment? Each week, we have questions submitted to us from friends, family, internet strangers, Quora, and we're going to answer them. <laughs> we're going to answer them uh, as as best we can because... We're brilliant. <laughs> Combined, we are encyclopedia A through through T because we know what we're talking about. <laughs> so this is a question from Quinn. What's harder, setting up camp or breaking it down? I instantly, can I go first? Yeah. No, there is unquestionably. Is it what's easier or what's harder? It says what's harder. Unquestionably, what's harder is breaking it down. It un- there is no there is not if you take the other stance I'm going to be furious. You are tired of being in the outdoors. You're already thinking about going home. You're out of food. Your shit is wet. There is no 100%. You get to, you're looking forward to camping when you arrive and setting up your tent is part of that experience. Breaking it down sucks. Everything about breaking down camp is, is less. Nobody goes camping because they can't wait to take their shit back home. There, there's just, I, I could not be more confident in my answer. Have you ever camped with, uh, what do you got? Marie Kondo or whatever her name is. <laughs> what, what would her, what no, would her... I, I, I think this is, I think this is a slam. So dunk. I think, I, really do. I think, you know, you could take it a step farther. The, the worst part about camping hands down is when you get back home and all of a sudden there's a tornado in your living room because you've got sporks and sleeping pads and sleeping bags. It's awful. All in your living room. And What about when you pack things up that are obviously wet from condensation or a storm and you, you tell yourself, I have to hang this yeah. out so it dries and you forget yeah like you have a tent you have a sleeping bag you have blankets you have things and one thing you forget and the next time you want to use it it just smells that's how you ruin gear it's just like and you immediately remember oh damn it i totally forgot to air this out after my last spring camping trip that said there are definitely a lot of mistakes people do with setting up camp i can't tell like you don't guy it Tell out me. the correct way, and all of a sudden you have a chair that winds up in the fire because you didn't put out the ashes. <laughs> this actually Nate, nobody knows how to guy anything out. No, <laughs> Nate, nobody, nobody uses guy lines. No, nobody uses guy guy lines. We need to have a whole episode where you explain guy lines because there are all these there are all these little ropes and paracords attached to a tent that I just never use. It's like I don't even know how to fucking. Sometimes I don't know where this goes. It can make a big don't. difference if it's if it's howling wind. So. I have a really good breaking down camp story. I was camping in uh, Minnesota, outside of Northfield, Minnesota. I was in college at the time, um, and which is ironically south of Minneapolis. Hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> thanks, Adam. 
Um, we had gone camping uh, late. It was just like a spontaneous thing. Do you want to go, you know, spend the night in the woods? And we get out there, you know, sharing camping stories, go to bed. And it just, it was off season. And so we, we technically weren't supposed to be camping there. And so we pull up to this, this uh, campground in, you know, rural Minnesota. And it's, I think it's fall. And so there's no leaves on the trees. It's dank. It's, it's dark. Obviously it's, it's nighttime. And we pull in, there's no cars. There's no ranger checking you in because it's off season and we're not supposed to be there. And we go to the parking lot and there's like a big grassy field by, by the parking lot. We figure we'll just set up our, our tent there. There's nobody out here. It doesn't really matter where we, where we pitch a tent. And so we do that and we set up, we set up camp and like, uh, have our headlights on chatting, whatever. And all we can think about is like, you know, we, we start to look outside of the tent and looking outside of a tent in the middle of night when there's nothing around your ears, just you, you turn into like, you, you have your animal ears where like every single like leaf scraping on the ground all of a sudden becomes some sort of villain. And we just freaked ourselves out. We got way spooked and, um, was it just two of you just the two of us and or you know you you can look off into the distance that's that's what i was doing that was my favorite thing at the time <laughs> you just look out as far as you could see into the woods it's pitch black and it's it's like this it's like that fear triggered when i was a kid and you're just staring at your closet hoping it doesn't move <laughs> you're just looking into the woods like this is it this is how we go, you know, like somebody's going to emerge from the woods. So we got way scared, way too scared, booked it right away. We, we set down, we broke down camp as fast as we possibly could. You know, the poles were still attached to the tent. We just kind of like undid the pole segments and bunched it all together, put it into my minivan, Honda Odyssey 2005, and immediately uh booked it out of there in the car like the tent i couldn't see out of the rear view mirror because the tent was uh wait because you were freaked out yeah because we were it's like we don't have to do this we have beds in in northfield so why 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 do this <laughs> this torture <laughs> we we leave we're scared it's the middle of the night there's nobody out there and I'm like flooring it onto the highway, uh, picking up speed, accelerating out of the campground. And this mother, this fat mother raccoon comes across the street. <laughs> and I just, oh, Adam, you know, you hear the boom, boom. You, <laughs> it, yeah, it didn't go well for the you raccoon. hit the raccoon? <laughs> yeah. And we're just like screaming at the top of our lungs. because. <laughs> This is the Wait a minute. This is the this climax. Poor raccoon, <laughs> this poor raccoon died because you decided to bail on camping? It was cro- why was it crossing the street in the middle of the night? <laughs> yes. Oh, it's a raccoon. That's all it does. So we left and just It's dead it got, because of your decision. It got so much worse. We hit the raccoon Shame. and just didn't feel good Shame. and it was like we need to get out of here right away. Shame. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You you touch on an interesting point. Okay. Don't and it is it is it is, it is 
Now, it is this. It, it is this. And you and I have both been camping a number of times. So I'm curious what you think of this. And I will open this up to our many listeners. When camping, I would say there are a number of times I've been afraid of an animal encounter mm-hmm. or an animal intrusion. There are way more times when I've been afraid of another human being. Oh, yeah. That is the worst part about <laughs> somewhere, it. Somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere out there. Uh and and I've even I've I've been camping with someone, and they told me I heard something. It was in a rooftop tent. I heard something outside the tent. And I was like, "Fine." And they're like, "I'm pretty sure it was people." I heard footsteps. I need you to check. And this this person was convinced that there were. We were way the fuck out. Like we were. It was there are there's public land, and then there's public land like there's shit you know is public land and then there's shit that just happens to be public land that nobody has ever heard of and nobody goes to and this was that second kind and it was the middle of nowhere and all i heard was i think there are there was there was neat there was there was nothing there weren't cars like it was a long drive it was Uh. winter and all and, and 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 what i was hearing was it's the it's like four in the morning. It's like there's people. There's two. I hear definitely hear two people outside the tent. And I unzip the tent, and I looked out, and there was nothing. Was <laughs> bullshit. It's just birds and raccoons and shit. But the point is, uh, it's it, terrible. It, it it occurred to me. It occurred to me like, oh fuck! If there are two people here now, it's bad. Mm-hmm. Like this is not. And I'm like looking around, like all I have is a headlamp. Like I don't have a, I don't keep a fucking loaded revolver in my rooftop tent. Like I am hosed if there are some backwoods individuals. Well, yeah. And when you're in intending a tent, harm, when you're in a tent, it it's supposed to provide shelter, but it, it feels safe, but super not safe. It's like living in a glass. It's like living in a glass house. Yes. Everybody can see in. Everybody knows that you're camping you right there. <laughs> And you can't see shit outside. You have no idea what's going on. Oh, yeah. Do you have an idea how much money we'd make if we made like this pop-up fortress? Just impenetrable. Soundproof. Bulletproof. <laughs> bulletproof. You know what I'm saying? Like if you just set up, yeah. it's like, yeah, it doesn't matter if you can see. Even if you can see I'm here, you're never getting in. It's impossible. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. People. People are scary. That's for sure. Wait. So what was the question? Breaking down camp? Breaking down or <laughs> setting it up? That's a good question. I don't man. think anybody disagrees. Breaking breaking down breaking down is way, way worse. Yeah. Unless you arrive unless you okay. arrive late you know what? and then it's a pain in the ass. I have I have a counterpoint. Winter camping. So I went camping uh two winters ago and we did a full base camp. It was in the backcountry. We all ski toured in. We had pulks. We were pulling sleds. People brought chainsaws. We had a a warming tent. We had a two-meter dome. And somebody brought a wood-fired stove. We we chopped down trees. Setting up camp took hours. It took so long to set up camp because you have to set up your own tent. We all slept in like two person tents each because it's it's cold you want to maximize as much warmth as you can and then we had a central 
uh, bigger tent where we all hung out and had meals. And that was where the stove was going as well. Um, and setting up those big tents, because you, you dig out the floor into the snow. You dig out three feet below the actual tent. And you need to, you need to make sure that that lines up with, with the walls of the tent. Um, and digging snow, you know, deep, it, it's really hard work, especially, you know, you're up high at elevation. Um, and so you're talking about ch- ch- chopping down trees, um, setting, up a, setting up multiple tents that are huge and digging out your own like foot area for where you're doing your changing of, of your shoes when you're getting into your own tent. That takes a lot of time. And then when you leave, you know, you, you try leave no trace as best you can, but it's snow. It's going to snow in a week and it's all going to be gone, you know, like all of your sort of tracks. And so in that instance, I would say setting up camp is way harder than breaking down camp. I, I, Yes, you make great points. They're all valid. I totally understand. I still say breaking down camp is worse. Yeah, right. You still got to ski out. You still got to, you still have the whole, I don't know. I've, no, no, breaking down, breaking down, but you've got to do it. Mm. You absolutely have to do it. And if you can get over that mental hurdle, dry your shit out, like do it, plan, plan breaking down camp first like like the it is such a pain in the ass and you're so ready to be done or there's just i've never not had wet shit i've never ever not had wet shit so if you can plan accordingly so that stuff dries out as much as possible or you're aware of it just just do that just do that like it's always a storm on the last night It, it is never not a storm that's my feeling i'm sorry Bring down. You need to go camp in the desert, Adam. There's there's no weather out there. Thank you for tuning in to an episode of the Gear Show with Nate and Adam Mumbo Jumbo Podcast with Nate and Adam. Uh, Send us your questions, um, and we look forward to chatting again. We're out. That's a podcast, dude. That was an hour and forty minutes. Hell yeah, one down. We should okay. Honestly, honestly. 